Hello and welcome to East Dropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. And uh, it's Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas <laughs> has passed. Um, and uh, we've seen Next Goal Wins. Yes. Which is a new um, comedy, sports comedy, directed by Taika Waititi, who co-wrote the screenplay with uh, Ian Morris. It's based on a true story and also based on a documentary, also called Next Goal Wins, mm. of that true story. And the true story is about a football coach called uh, Thomas Rongan, who was not very successful. He'd been fired from a bunch of jobs, and he was given the job of uh, coaching the American Samoa team, uh, who are considered one of the weakest teams in the world, uh, to qualification for the 2014 World Cup. It's a Taika Waititi film, and I, I feel like this is... When I saw the trailer for this, I thought, oh, good, Taika Waititi is back in his place. Mm. You know, <laughs> I kind of felt like Thor had lots of good bits, but I think... I was starting to feel it was getting a bit tired and kind of the big budgetness of his quirkiness was you know, combined with Marvel. I don't know. It was starting to wear. Yes. Um, I thought that. This feels, you know, well, it's, it's kind of back to his roots to some degree. Obviously, it's a smaller film. It's a smaller budget. We're not going into Marvel territory. Um, and he's able to express, you know, it's a, a kind of quirky attitude to to Polynesia, uh, where he's from. Or Taika Waititi's dad is of Maori descent. And his mother is Jewish. Mm. And I felt that the film kind of took a minute or two to get going. And I think it was a little bit uneven. But for the most part, I really enjoyed it. And it leads to a really wonderful finale, which I enjoyed enormously. And as we've said so many times, if you leave the audience feeling happy and you put the best stuff at the end, mm. you know, then the uh, the the feeling that they leave with is a good one. Yeah. And they remember it well. And I think this is a nice film. I loved it. I mean, I found it like really charming. Um, very, very funny, kind of, and and very, I don't know, heartwarming, endearing. Um, I don't know about the unevenness. Uh, I, I really liked it throughout. I mean, you know, it's not a film that, um, you know, wows you with uh, audiovisual technique or anything like that. But actually, I think what it does is just as difficult to do, right? You know, uh, it's funny in all kinds of interesting ways, you know. Um, it's funny through 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 rhythms, through kind of patterns of speech, through the editing, right? I mean, that bit where the kid gets uh, knocked over by a car, you know, which yeah, should be horrible, right? <laughs> you know, but I kind of, I couldn't stop laughing, right? Yeah, the film does a few things where it undercuts things in, in quite funny ways, and that's one of them. That's like the, the first moment that you've seen that someone really, really skillful could be on this team. Yeah. Um, and immediately, uh, he's no longer in the picture. Mm. The film also does that with the um, uh, the team talk just before the big match, where, you know, the coach invites anyone to, to, to say something they want to say. And the one guy gets up and you haven't heard from him the whole film. He's just one of the players. And he starts talking about what a bad year he's had and that his parents both died or, or something like that. And then, you know, immediately it's cut off because the game's got to start. And he's mm. like, okay, well, never mind. We'll listen we'll to you later. You know, it does that one. It, that, that's very funny. All I mean by uneven, really, is that, it, like with any comedy, I suppose, some of it really works and some of it really doesn't. And it's a matter of taste and mood and that sort of thing. Mm. Um, that's kind of how I felt about, about some of it. But in terms of, in terms of storytelling, I suppose also I feel that um, because this is a genre film and you know the beats of where this is going to go and how it's going to be telling its story, and the question is, you know, how well is it going to tell its story? Um, I, I feel that it it kind of it so assumes uh, 
a, a knowledge of the genre that it almost tells some plot points in in like shorthand. Mm. I felt like I wanted one or two things, just giving a little bit more time or fleshed out or something. But that's maybe that's a, another issue of personal taste. I I loved it all. I mean, the only thing that I thought could use improvement was the laying out of the of the football. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, so kind of you know when they're talking about formations or you know, kind of go on the back or like you want the viewer to get a better sense of what that involves from the team, right? With, yes, there's also an assumption of knowledge of football that yes. the film has. And if you don't have that, it's not going out of its way to explain those to you. Yeah, and I thought the film, you know, would have been better if you just got a sense of, you know, what was being asked and what was being delivered, right? Mm. Yeah, kind of, it all felt like kind of just, I don't know, fireworks or something, but you didn't get a clear sense of what it involved. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. I I, th- I think I actually thought that most, though, um, about something that's, that wasn't to do with the football, it was The Hacker, uh, which is, I don't know if you're familiar with The Hacker at all, no. but anyone who's watched, like anyone Commonwealth will, I think, know what The Hacker is because they'll have watched a bit of rugby and they'll be familiar with the New Zealand rugby team who do this before every match and it's very well known. And they kind of stand in a formation and they do this dance and mm. and it's a chant and it's supposed to be scary and intimidating. And we see this in the film. And actually the one thing that I kind of didn't buy of all the things in the film was that these people would ever be capable of doing a bad hacker, which is what they start off doing. It's, mm. it's uncoordinated and their heart's not really in it. Mm. And of course it's doing that so that when they finally perform a really great hacker, we see the transformation of the team and their belief and so on. But I kind of thought of every, like I, I get that this team is, is well, I, I get that the people are laid back and not full of belief. And that's very much something I think we see in Taika Waititi have seen his work before. Mm. The kind of laid backness in, you know, and that's a kind of comic trope that he that he uses. But I thought, you know, the one thing that I think that would never be true is that they wouldn't do a really great hacker. You know, I mean, I've seen videos of like school kids doing hackers to mm. kind of celebrate a teacher who's leaving, and it's incredible, and it's it's perfect, and it's so moving and powerful. And I thought that's the one thing I don't believe here. But the point ultimately I'm making is that the film doesn't at all explain what a hacker is and why they're doing it before a game. Mm. Anyone who's not seen it will not will be none the wiser. I think. It's a very um, Taiki Waititi film, and I just wondered if you had a sense of, you know, what what that is, right? Because there's a particular tone, there's a particular type of humor that is so recognizably his, mm. yeah, and that recently I think was annoying, just because it felt forced, right? Mm. Um, and what was the last film that we saw of his? The Thor film, maybe. Probably the Thors, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, and I thought the last one was just, you know, kind of too much. Um, but here it feels just right. It's, it's that, it's that thing of things being kind of downplayed. It it flirts with a kind of comedy that I tend not to enjoy, which is that comedy of people saying something that might be kind of impactful or something. And then, and then it's undercut with, uh, kind of going into detail about the way they're speaking or, or you kind of modifying what they're saying and not being sure that I mean I'm maybe not explaining it that well but I tend to find that kind of comedy a, a little bit a little bit cringy it's just not my thing um, and this flirts with that kind of region of comedy mm. in that it is undercutting all the time and 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 treating things with a kind of an attention to I don't know what is it. It's like it's like neurosis in characters, you know. So, 
I don't know. Um, I can hardly think of an example, but it's it's the sort of thing where oh God, I, can't, I can't even think. Do you know what I mean, though? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. I mean, um, I think he's got a very particular type of humor, which is very very gentle, mm. uh, and which does kind of undercut expectations. And maybe what I thought in the Thor film is that it was undercutting it in very predictable ways, mm. right? Whereas there's something in this film, you know, because in many ways it's a cliche, right? The underdog who are complete losers who, you know, are being asked to do very little. And of course they triumph, right? Though, you know, on a very small level. Uh, and it kind of risks real mawkishness mm. and avoids it. Yeah. And I think that's kind of, you know, the success of his films is, is, is being is being gentle, is being incredibly inclusive, right? And that inclusion extends in almost every direction. So, for example, one of the things that I was noticing in the makeup of his team was that, you know, you have athletes, you have fat people, you have, like, you know, people who are not very attractive, you know, uh, and the camera doesn't distinguish, yeah? Like, kind of, mm. you know, they're all part of, like, you know, the, the the film frame has room for all of them and room for the humanity of all, really. And of course, this comes, you know, to the fore with a trans person. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which I think is something um, that I'm surprised I haven't read more about, really, because, you know, I thought, uh, uh, you know, to have a central character be a trans person, in which being a trans person is not in itself a dilemma, right? Kind of, you know, the problem in the film is the way that the coach initially responds to mm. her, right? Not something that her or her team or the culture have a problem with. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought that was like incredibly kind of um, refreshing and, and kind of unique. You know, when one hears of all the, you know, misogyny and homophobia in football and, you know, one sees it get played out all over. For the film to treat it so gently and unproblematically and, you know, it's really, I mean, it's obviously based on a real you know, person. Mm. Um, uh, and I'm sure, you know, the film feeds off that. But to me, it was still quite impressive. It was, impressive is the wrong word because, you know, the film doesn't make a spectacle of it, right? Like, you know, mm. uh, but it deals with it in a way that kind of uh, cumulatively feels kind of groundbreaking to me. When that trans character, and the word for this third gender in Polynesian society is fafafine, mm. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, but you can look it up, um, and that's a word that's used continuously throughout the film, mm. and so we're, it's understood to be something that is a societally integrated mm. um, thing here, that he is obviously not used to, and he immediately, he, I should say, he, the coach played by Michael Fassbender, upon arrival, is confused by this person and doesn't understand them, and then uses her dead name, as we would call it, mm. um, her former name, as a weapon. Mm. And that becomes a moment. And when it was in the early stages of explaining this character and developing this relationship, I felt like, oh, this, this really making a point here. But as it became clear, more and more clear, that uh, this character, um, what was her name? Um, Jaya. Jaya. As it became more and more clear that Jaya was you know, an important character in the story and not just one of the players, but she's key. Um, and that the relationship was going to go on and become richer. And so I felt, oh, yeah, this is really, really working for me now. Like, this mm. feels less of a point. Like, oh, we're making a point of this because 
trans people is kind of <laughs> trans people are a thing in the news these days in the West. And, mm. you know, but um, but no, like this is just it's kind of true. For yes. One thing you can look up this person and she's real, um, and it it plays out in as you say, kind of there's humanity in that story, and it's really nice to see and it's interesting to see it play out the way it does. Mm. Yeah. I also like kind of. I suppose the tone, which becomes part of the message, you know, so in a way, kind of the tone is the message because, you know, the film is all about kind of people who are in, through a certain perspective, insignificant. It's a small island of 57,000 people. They came last in the, yeah, mm -hmm. they've never scored a goal. So, you know, they're not even thinking of winning anything, right? It's kind of, they just want a goal, right? <laughs> yeah. And there's something about that kind of, you know, acceptance and finding uh, value and beauty, you know, in spite of no expectations of winning that, again, I think for me feels really unique, mm. yeah? I mean, so much of American cinema is about winning, winning at the exclusion of everything else. Yeah, like kind of, you know, yeah. there's no second place. You either you win or you lose. Like American culture is so obsessed with this idea of winning, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and of dividing people into winners and losers. But I think what this film has to say is kind of, you know... Um, winning is being happy. Yes, and playing you know, yeah. and playing yeah. the game well, and enjoying the game. There's and... so much of, of the coach coming in and saying, this isn't a game. What do you think? This is a game. This is for, this is a sport. This is yeah. It matters. And, of course, th those lines are ironic every time you hear them. Yeah. Football is a game. Yes. Know? But um, but it takes him until the end of the film to understand that, and that's obviously his journey and part of his journey. And it's very interesting because it's the coach who doesn't get the message. So, you know, I remember... I, I actually haven't read the book myself but i remember a friend telling me a book about you know how to understand life through football or something right you know um you bought me that book i think well what we talk about when we talk about football it was sort of like a philosophy book yeah, oh so i might have bought it for you but not read it myself yeah maybe. yeah um but anyway that thing about kind of you know football being a metaphor for life because you know it involves community in which everybody does their bit and mm. you get better with practice and you know, and you kind of, it teaches you to lose and <laughs> yeah, all of those things. I think you see it. I mean, that is part of the lore of the game, right? That sometimes people forget because they're so caught up in winning, mm. right? And you see that the coach in the film is the person who's caught up in that and in a way has forgotten what football is really about. <laughs> yeah, who would have thought that he went there to teach them, but they taught him. But that's fine, that's what it is. And actually the film has a number of speeches, typically on the on the short side, um, and kind of quite knowing as well. But that it has these speeches about what life means and how we live here and the difference. And that thing about the fish early on mm. is one example. Um, and... And I must say, they all kind of worked for me, and you you, you, you feel well. them, and you understand what's being told, even if it's also a joke, like with the fish one. Um, but the one that really works for me is, I suppose, what you'd say is the climactic one, where uh, at half time, having having had his own mini speech given to him mm. by the um, the head of the federation again, uh, Fassbender's character goes back into the uh, changing room and tells them about his daughter, and it's the emotional. And I thought. It's funny, we were talking recently about the killer which Fassbender was in, and one thing I said was, like, you can't imagine him playing Ace Ventura, right? Like, he, he has a certain range that he works in, and it's wonderful in it, mm. but 
you know. Um, but of course, he has done bits and pieces of comedy before. If you think about Inglorious Bastards, his his role in that was partially comedic, mm. but it wasn't. It's a type of comedy, right? Yeah. He's not out and out. He's not flair. And so here he's playing a comedic role. I'm thinking, how is it going to be? How's it going to work? And and for the most part through the film, um, you know, he he worked for me, but I, I thought like it's just it, there's something about his performance which is unremarkable right he's kind of carrying it but he's not i mean he's not the one being asked to do all the funny things and then you get to the speech he makes at half time and it he, the film is elevated by that sure. speech i think and his performance elevates that moment it really it works in such like any film would have that scene mm. but he makes it work to a degree that i wouldn't have imagined it working in a film like this it's really moving i think it's very interesting because he's not a charm actor. No. You know, uh, and I did think that the film might have been a bigger box office success if it had, you know, an, an actor with most, with more obvious charm. Yeah. Mm. One who seduces the audience and plays to the audience more like, I don't know, a Brad Pitt or somebody like that, right? Mm. Um, but on the other hand, I did think that... Um, What he brings, which is, you know, because there were moments where I thought he's unrecognizable. And actually in the trailer, I didn't realize it was Fassbender. Yeah, that know? beard at the start, which may yeah, have done. Yeah, he looks so different and, you know, kind of his profile seems a little bit different and the hair, obviously, which is white. But there is actually something about him that you can't take your eyes off him, you know, kind of. Mm. Uh, I was very much, for example, noticing um, his legs. Yeah, he's got like <laughs> kind of, you know, an athlete's legs, yeah, it's kind of somebody who has very developed kind of um, uh, legs. Uh, and the way that uh, his costume is cut and so on. So it's somebody who, you know, you're not, you're not meant to get the feeling that he cares about his body. So he's not body built or, you know, kind of uh, the musculature seems to come out of exercise rather than you know, kind of weights for show or something. Well, he's a former player and a coach. That's the character. So and his body makes sense for that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, but what I'm what I'm trying to say, I suppose, is that that he's arresting with it. Yeah. That mm-hmm. kind of you can't help but look at him, really, even though he's always in character and he's and he's never out to charm beyond the character, which I think he could easily have done. Yeah. And which I think an actor like Brad Pitt does innately, really. Mm you know, kind of a smile, a look, yeah, a shift of the head, yeah. Uh, something to keep the attention on him, yeah, and to make him lovable. Uh, he never does that, um, which I think is a credit to him and to the film, really. Though, you know, again, I think the film would be an, a much more obvious box office success if it had had more of a charm actor in it. Yeah, to some extent, it works despite what Fassbender is like naturally. Yes. But it also makes good use of what he's extremely good at. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's interesting. It is just interesting to imagine. Like, you don't imagine him as in, in like a rom-com. It just doesn't have that feel to yes. it. Yes. And, and this does, this isn't a rom-com, but it, it has that, it... Um, it's a departure. It He does feel a little bit out of place. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, in the story, he he's is meant to be extremely out of place. So maybe that's, you know, kind of, uh, adds to it, I don't know, but it does work. And I think it's fair to say that, you know, it's a film that's chock-a-block with charm and that the charm is really brought in by the main supporting characters. I'm thinking here of Oscar Knightley, uh, Astavita, 
Oscar, Oscar Kitely. Kitely. Um, and also, I think it's, uh, um, is it David Fain? The assistant coach, you know, big, heavy camp kind of assistant. I thought they brought plenty of charm. Uh, yeah. Um, so, which kind of played with and against, you know, that kind of anger yeah. uh, uh, that Michael Fassbender brings initially. And that and that's those are the characters that have that you know quote unquote Taika Waititi feel to them no. that I'm struggling to articulate, but is is absolutely there and it and is what's so charming. It's that kind of acceptance of being told that you don't have a job anymore is immediate, mm. you know. And um, yeah, it, it is so hard to articulate, but it's 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 really there and it's it's really fun. Yeah, you know? and I think it's not just fun. I think it is kind of very. Um, inclusive you know because these are not people who are up themselves they're actually kind of you know very modest they don't want very much kind of their yeah but at the same time they're also aware of the value of who they are and where they're at mm. yeah so kind of it has kind of i don't know this gentle humorous acceptance yeah of um their situation which is kind of i i feel uh, um rare and rare in its inclusiveness, yes, because kind of, you know, that applies to everybody. Everybody's welcome. You know, they have their own traditions, but actually kind of, you know, they are aware that other people are different, right? <laughs> like, even when they try to be mean to, you know, Tonga, they kind of they don't can't quite pull yeah, it exactly. off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so. They also, they accept when Fassbender, they have this thing about praying when you know the, the bell rings at whatever time it is and they all just the, the the island shuts down and everyone just stops where they are and they kneel or they bow their head and they pray and fassbender can't get on with this and um it's the second time it happens when they're all training and everyone just sits down and he's like what the fuck are you doing and it's the david fane character the, the bearded coach who explains to him you know this is what this is and he buggers off but like no one you you, you might think like another another type of character would not be so understanding of the person who has no tolerance for this whatsoever. But he's like, he just explains it, and he says, you can pretend if you want. And like this, this it's, it's just a, it's a very accepting way of having your culture insulted. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. I thought kind of the film narratively was very interesting as well because it constantly flits from the present to the past. It's narrated in what feels almost like a third person, right? But not throughout. Right. So, you know, when, when you're told about the team and, you know, how they lost and kind of, yeah, 31 mm. uh, goals. 31 yeah. yeah. And then later on, you're told, oh, but he saved 60 or whatever. Right. Like I, he's, you know, actually a very good goalkeeper. You know, the way that that moves in the storytelling, I thought that was kind of, you know, very interesting. And I also thought that the visuals played with and against, you know, that narration in interesting ways. The reason why I'm mentioning this is because, you know, I still feel that Waititi isn't making the best use of the medium, right? But I also want to acknowledge, you know, what he does bring that feels like, you know, that is complex and funny uh, and kind of humane and inclusive, you know, and that works incredibly well, but actually through, I think, very particular means, yeah? Mm. Yeah, um, I I did think that I wanted the, to, to some extent, I thought I wanted the football match at the end to be shown in some more clarity, but I also understand why it was 
shot the way it was. What I really wanted to be shown um, better was the hacker that they perform before that final match, where the one where they get it right and they and it's mm. really powerful because it's done through a series of close ups and, and the camera's moving and it's quite close in and what's so powerful about the hacker one of the things that's so powerful about it is seeing everyone in formation yeah. you know like standing against you it's incredible and um and i would have liked, like like just, if just the last shot had been of that to show how they got it right you know that would have been great and i think this it's just a little bit missing you know i wanted that to be sold a bit yeah. better um i did like it, it's a film that um you know totally gets what what you like about sport the the match is shown at the end and you see them um, you know, going in a half time, having not played well, although it's nil nil. I mean, the whole thing about this about this team, it, it's not true that they've never scored a goal. Um, that's a that's a an embellishment for the film. Um, but it is true that when they score a goal, they typically have like four or five or eleven scored against them. Right. Um, so the thing about we just want to score a goal is a little bit much. What they really want is to win the game. Uh. Um, or, or, or you know, what they what they've ever wanted is to win a game. Um, and so here they've you know they've kept the score to nil nil, which is pretty good going for Americans normally. Mm. Um, and yet it's it's turned into you know you're playing terribly, and I didn't quite understand that. I thought like, you know, but then it turns into go out and enjoy yourself. And the second half of the game, because when they score a goal and go ahead, the <laughs> the head of the federation <laughs> has has heat stroke, and then you and then you get told the rest of this match yes. in. You know, by his son who is in the game, and it's told in flashback. And I thought this is great because what this really gets is how sport is a storytelling medium. Sure, like it's narrative, and then it really amplifies that when you have shots of the goalkeeper in the future reading to his son the story of whatever his name is. But it's like that's the storybook he's reading, and then you get a shot of uh, the the coach, the the bearded <laughs> coach. Mm. Um, you know, around a campfire telling the story of the match. It's like, that is what football fucking feels like at times, right? You yes. know, people will talk about matches from 30, 40, 50 years ago. Like, they'll keep telling those stories about that one game and how important it was. You know what I mean? And this, like, totally gets that. And so even just telling it as, like, you know, it happened five minutes ago and you're telling it to the guy who was unconscious for some of it, gets at that feeling. You know, this yeah. is what happened. And then this, and then this. And there are so many twists in that match. You know, I mean, it gets to the point where I think it's partially deliberate. It starts to feel like a joke in itself that, you know, you have the dramatic ending to the film and this is one dramatic twist on top of another. Mm. You know, the goal, and then we get the goal back or they, we give the goal away and then the penalty and then the save. And it's like, it, there's so many extra twists to this. And yet the film's message is really about living in the present and letting go of your past and accepting loss. Right, because I thought it was very interesting, the casting, right? So, you know, the film has this other narrow side narrative or central narrative, really, but it's kind of a background narrative, which is that his daughter, husband's daughter, got killed in a car accident in the prime of life. And this led to his personal problems, which have resulted in him losing his wife as well as losing his jobs. Right. And the whole film is really about getting him to accept that loss, really, and mm. to move on. And I thought that was interesting because, you know, uh, a more, uh, a less sophisticated film or a less understanding film would have reunited the couple. Yeah, the, the winning of the match, mm. you know, would have been a transformation to him, you know, getting back, getting back into work and getting back into his relationship. And actually, this one doesn't. Mm. Yeah. I was kind of left with the question of, of um, 
what's the wife's um, attitude to to the death and the breakup of her marriage? Because you, you see her a little bit, and and there's this thing about her missing him, but she is not willing to entertain thoughts of of reuniting as he wants to. Mm. Um, but that she's you know happy with the Will Arnett character, who is shown to be kind of a prick. So you know that, that's I mean that's it's a very simple, and you don't see him very much. Very simple. Um, uh, portrayal of this guy and it's supposed to be antagonistic and so on um i don't know i guess, I guess i'm kind of left with the thought like when you, when you get that shot having won the game and he looks up to the stands and he sees his ex-wife and will arnett kissing and he realizes like no this isn't yeah you know, I've, I've just got to accept with, it i've got to accept it i'm with the team and he puts his hat on which is his daughter's hat and mm. that's the important things on um so like i get it from his perspective but i'm also wondering like oh god i wonder what her take on all this history has been well well it's kind of like a film that in a way is suffused with love because you know the reason why he's there is because she's trying to rescue him yeah yeah, yeah. so kind of you know she's she's helping him almost every step of the way you know to kind of find himself or get back to himself but not sacrificing herself in order for him to do so i mean yeah you know, she has moved on. She's coped. He hasn't. Yeah, so she's helping him, but she's not willing to give up her own thing, mm. which kind of, I think it's a very interesting and complex, mm. you know, and, and actually more realistic, you know, kind of take. Uh, and also more original, because the normal take on this kind of thing would have been to have hate and revenge drive the relationship, <laughs> right? And anger and betrayal instead of you know kind of yeah kind of love yeah you want to help out you've loved this person but you've moved on yet you still want kind of you know what's best for them really so i thought that was i mean it's a film that's full of these kind of little things that kind of cumulatively add up to a lot more yeah yeah it's really nice and i think had the film not had a really good ending which i think it does that whole final Mm. segments i think just works so well um, I think I, I think I would have felt more mixed about it. You know, like I, I don't want the ending to to completely rule my my response to it because definitely for the first essentially two thirds of the film, you know, I would use the word uneven for me. It did mm. it did feel. Um, I liked it though. Yeah. I, w- I was with it every step of the way. I mean, I mean, I wasn't bored for a minute. Every few minutes there was a laugh. You know, every bit longer there was a huge laugh from me mm. you know so kind of what's there to complain about yeah, really yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a good film i enjoyed it yeah all right well on that note thank you very much for listening we are eavesdropping at the movies and we are on apple podcasts audible google podcasts spotify soundcloud and youtube on social media we're on facebook and twitter at eavesdrop movies and uh blue sky eavesdropping.bsky.social and the website is eavesdroppingatthemovies.com thank you very much bye bye <laughs> Thank you.